Thank you. Let me, I guess I'll move the table up here since they moved the piano back there because I cannot play the piano. But I don't know if I can preach either, but I'll try to teach. You know, uh, Mark called a few weeks back and said we're doing a series on Church of Influence. I said, that's awesome. And uh, he said, but would you speak? And I said, well, I don't know if that's awesome or not, but I'll try, I'll try my best. And what I love about this church is just how the Holy Spirit truly works through all of us. It's, it's a, this is, a, you don't have to be around here very long to see and feel it. So a week ago, last Wednesday, I, I had a kind of a free day. So I went to my house and wrote out a little bit of a, of a message or a teaching on a church of influence. And I was real proud of it. I thought, you know, this is going to be some really, really good stuff. And so for some whatever reasons, I, I went to Romans 12 and really do- dove into that. And so I go to church on Sunday. I go to, usually in Durant. So I show up at 11 o'clock in Durant. And Jacob gets everybody their Bible out and says, would you turn to Romans 12? <laughs> You know, I used to, you know, when I've been in the church now, gosh, 15, 16 years, and for years, Dwayne would talk about, uh, during Jubilee, he'd, he'd invite friends to come and teach. And he'd always, they'd always, what do you want us to teach about? He said, just be led by the Holy Spirit. And then it was always amazing how it always tied together. I was telling Mark a minute ago, I had a friend that was in Minnesota, and he was checking in uh, on an airplane. And he sees Dwayne Sheriff. And this guy is a friend of mine in Dallas. Actually came up one day to church with us. And he said, are you Greg Massey's pastor? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm, I'm Curtis. So nice to meet you. And, and, and so kind of they went their own ways. And they say, about time to load the airplane, he walks toward the back of the airplane and ends up sitting next to Dwayne Sheriff. And... And so my, my, my friend's a, f- a friend of faith, and he said, There's, this is not a coincidence, there's something, I was supposed to be sitting next to you right now. And so let me just tell you what I'm struggling with. And so he tells Dwayne the thing he's struggling with, and, and Dwayne said, have you looked up a certain, certain verse? And so Dwayne pulls this verse, and I don't think he pulled his Bible, he just quoted it. And it's kind of just a typical Dwayne. And the guy looked at him and said, you got to see this. And he said, what? He said, well, I'm a big journal. I journal every morning. He pulls his journal out and behold, the same verse was what he was meditating on that morning. That is the Holy Spirit. So please, if you would, uh, let's talk a little bit about Church of Influence. And I I truly, first of all, let me just uh, from a beginning state, just say this church is a church of influence that we are part of a larger body, the body, the church of Christ, and we are called to be a bigger and bigger influence in our lives. So that's where I'm going to try to go uh, today or this evening. So go, if you would, go to Romans 12, and just start out. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is a spiritual service of worship. Now, let's go back. So what's interesting for me, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, what, what does that really, truly mean? I'm one of these that 
sometimes I get to the Bible and it's like these Bible terms and I'm not sure what they mean. So, so in, in my morning routines, when I have, I have my Bible out and then I have a dictionary on my iPad and when I get to these like what I call a lot of these kind of almost churchy type terms that I understand, I, I literally just get the dictionary out and say, okay, what does, what does that mean? So living is really just a pursuit of a lifestyle. That's all it is, right? Holy is just to be sanctified and just live a godly life. Sacrifice is surrendering. Now, now for me, I can get this thing called surrender a lifestyle of being godly. Next, next. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted each a measure of faith. Now, what's interesting about when Paul wrote this, and of course, we're going to gifts here in a second, but he actually talked about this highly of yourself before the gifts. So I think if I was writing the letter to the Romans, I think I would have said, here's all these gifts and don't think highly of yourself. He actually starts the letter with don't think highly of ourselves because there's diff- as we know, there is actually different givings. But if we think mine, which might be teaching, which you'll find here in a minute, it's not. <laughs> and I'll get into my gifts but your gift is different than my gift. But man, when I look in the mirror, I want to say, hey, mine's better than yours. Or be jealous of someone else's gifts because mine's different. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. So, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly in prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, in service, in serving, and who teaches in his teaching, and who exhorts in exhortation, and who gives with liberality, and who leads with diligence, and who shows mercy and cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, harbor, Hate what is evil, cling what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation and devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. So what's your gift? And are you using your gift? What is this community wanting to use your gift for? Have you asked the question to yourself, why is that my gift? One of my favorite things with our new Next Steps program here in the church is we actually go through a testing process of spiritual gifts. 
If you haven't done this, you can go to this website, spiritualgiftstest.com, and figure out what yours is. One of the a great quote says, Where your t- talents and the needs of the world cross, there lies your purpose. So you might say, is it gifts or talents? See, a gift is a talent. But man, were they, were they actually crossed in the needs of the world? There lies your intentions of your life. A friend of mine named Haley Russian and Roy Spence, they work with companies around the globe with helping those companies find their purpose. What is the intentions of these companies? When they work with companies, this is the model they use, which I think you can actually use individually as well. So what does the world need? What are your strengths? And what are you passionate about? Let me explain that a little bit. So a good friend of my wife's, Kay's, her good friend, Dee Dee, her gift is teaching. Her father was a pastor of Calvary Baptist in Durant for years. Guess what? His is teaching as well. He's a pastor. And while I use them as an example, they have the same strength, but a completely different passion. See, his, his strength was the church. He wanted to disciple people in Christ. Hers is first grade. Her passion and love is kids, and she is the happiest when she is in first grade in front of those kids. He is happiest. He's just like Dwayne when he's the happiest when he's up here teaching. So although they have the same gift, and I think sometimes we as a body of Christ see those gifts as just in the church, but he's not talking about in the church. He's talking about out in the world. So what is your strength and what were you built to do? And then what do you have passion about and what does the world need right now? And the interconnection, that center part, is your intention for your life and where you'll find fulfillment. Recently, I've been working in Durant with a, company, a deal called Blue Zones and got to know Dan Buchner, who wrote the book Blue Zones. And an interesting guy, he went around the globe and found places that where people naturally live to 100. And he did a study of nine things that folks have in common around the globe where they naturally live to 100. And of these nine things, there were things you would expect, like they eat green stuff. They don't eat a lot of meat. They, they naturally uh, move. There's a lot of movement. So things you would expect, but one of the things that was interesting, they all had purpose in their life. They have true intentions in their life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my spiritual gifts. Notice teaching is not there. But leadership is. Notice number four, and when you take the test, they'll actually give them an order to you. One of the funniest things, so my, my wife has always wanted to fix it man around the house. 
And it was like made my day whenever I took this test because they, they literally, there was like all these gifts, right? And I forgot what they called the fix-it man, but there was like the, there, the it was a gift. And I, I scored like the lowest you could score on fixing it. <laughs> and I ran downstairs like, I told you I wasn't any good. <laughs> anyway, that just came out. That's added bonus. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. As Mark said, I'm a banker. I was a young entrepreneur and loved being in business. I knew my whole life I was going to be in business. I um, grew up in church, went to college, got into the real estate business, came back and joined my father in a bank in Durant. Like a lot of Christians, I fell short many times. And I truly believe, I did not see the grace of God in my life. And so I had it in my head that what God wanted from me was giving. So I thought my, my gift was my number four gift of giving. Because I could make money and I could give money to the church and I thought that's all there was to it. But man, did he have a surprise for me. So in 1990, we started with this small bank in Durant, Oklahoma. And we started growing and growing and growing, adding more and more banks. And he will finally push you to a spot when you wake up and say, this is too big for me. I can't do this. This is God's, this isn't my bank. This isn't a community bank. This isn't our customer's bank. This is God's bank. And when I was pushed to a point where I, I knew I couldn't do it is only when I found my spiritual gift. Many of you have seen these words with First United to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. See, inspire means to come from the divine. How does something come from the divine and how do we actually give folks the tools, the empowerment to spend life wisely? In our company, we define spend life wisely as faith. So how do we inspire and empower others to have faith? How do we inspire and empower others to have personal development and grow and developing as individuals? How do we inspire and empower others to be healthy? And oh, well, oh yeah, we're a bank. So how about financial wellness too? Because see, when you turn your business into God's business, you create an intention for your business like your life that stands for God. Those bottom parts are values. Our employees describe faith as putting God first, our family second, and our work third. We put family above work, integrity, being a lifelong learner, having personal development, having relationships 
to love God and love others inside of our communities. You know, so you say, well, Greg, what does that look like? One of my favorite, favorite stories happened in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. A lady named Frankie Duncan. And just picture this, okay? That we're, we're a bank. Y'all know what banks are. Money, teller machines, transactions, etc. Frankie was working the drive-thru in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, and a lady comes through the drive-thru. And Frankie had the enough awareness to see the lady was upset. And she said, are you okay? But see, she had said, are you okay with the intention of knowing she wasn't because the lady was crying. The lady could feel Frankie's heart. And she looked up at Frankie and said, no, I'm not. So I just left the doctor. I found out I had cancer today. I'm having a hard time in, that, in this moment keeping myself together. And Frankie said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, would you mind if I come out and pray for you? She drives through at a bank. She leaves her teller station, walks out the side door, walks out into the drive-thru, lays hands on this lady and prays for her to be healed. I called Frankie, I said, I, just, I can't believe you did this. I, I'm, this is so incredible. This is like the coolest thing that had ever happened in our organization. And she said, no, Greg, thank you. Thank you for being the leader that gave me the permission slip to live out my God-given abilities. And oh, by the way, I'm a cancer survivor. And I know what it meant for other people to pray for me. You know, I wonder, and what's interesting, since that time, that story's many years old now. I've told it many, many times. But the impact of her Stepping out in her own abilities and her own God-given gifts of healing has given a permission slip for the whole organization, all 1,600 employees, to do what their God-given gifts are. See, there's a, there's a, before I read that, let me go backwards a little bit. Marianne Williamson wrote a book called The Return to Love, one of my favorite books. In that book, she, I'm going to read this because I think this is so true. Because see, if I was in that teller line, would I had, there's, there's two emotions in, in life. There's fear and love. Which one are we, are we going to go toward fear or are we going to go toward love? How many people would have been in that teller line in Frankie's situation going, oh, I want to pray for her, but what would the people over here think? Huh? Isn't that true? How many of us would have thought that? I'll be honest. Do, do, do I have enough faith to live in love versus fear? Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, 
our deepest fear in that we are powerful beyond measure. She read Acts. It's our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are we not to be? You are a child of God. You playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking to so that others, people, won't feel unsure around you. We were born to make and manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we continuously give other people the permission to do the same. One lady, Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, her story has amplified our organization to living a godly life. She let her light shine. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You know what that is? It's supposed to be a dimmer switch, but we're, we're, we're going to rename it tonight. So, so that, that is not a dimmer switch. It's kind, of, it's kind of a poor illustration of a dimmer switch, but we tried. We're going to call it a brighter switch. Yeah. Right? So we're, we're, this is a brighter switch. So, you know, you can either dim or bright, right? But what is it that she was talking about? How are we going to be a lot of the world... And how do we become bright? And I'm here to tell you, it's, we got to change the inside of us first. See, Frankie just didn't show up that day and go outside and pray for that lady. She has been praying and developing in her faith in God. See, she didn't have faith in the doctor. She had faith in God. Amen. She had faith in healing, not the report. That's good. And how do, you, how, how do you grow in faith? By hearing, hearing the word of God. She had practices in her life that got her ready for that moment so she could actually turn that light up as bright as it could go. Thessalonians 4, 7. God did not call us for impurity, but sanctification. What does that mean? To, to make holy, to purify, to be set apart for holy use. The second Timothy says for us not to be timid, but have power, to have love, and to be a disciple. How easy is it in this world to be timid? Was Frankie timid? Huh? Was she timid? No, she wasn't timid. Did she show love? 
Is that the most perfect example of love you've ever seen? And I'm telling you, without discipline of her life, she wouldn't have been ready for that moment. probably read too much and one of my favorite books of this last year is The Power of Habits. It's amazing how habits and disciplines are so interconnected with each other. If we don't create the right kind of habits, we don't create the right type of disciplines in our life to glorify God in our communities to use our gifts. So you can have gifts and you can have passions, but they're only going to be so extended if we don't have habits that grow us in Christ. So what are your habits? What are my habits? Are they what we want them to be? Years ago, uh, this is all, gosh, 12, 13 years ago, interesting story. But we uh, had grown the bank and had this great idea to get, get this thing called a coach. A business coach. And I was like overwhelmed at the time. I didn't know, I mean, I, I, was, like, I, had, I was like bouncing all these balls around and trying to do this and that. And I was working all the time and, and you know, and started working with him. And, and it was just an amazing thing in my life. And so I thought like, you know, I never had a business coach. I think he's like reorganized my my desk or, you know, get me like, make me where I could do something better, or, you know, maybe communicate better. And so I start working with him. He said, Greg, your issue is you're going too fast. You've got to slow down. I said, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I'm gonna go faster. He said, no, you got to slow down to go faster. He started these disciplines in my life. And I'm going to break these down really in four, four, what I call four disciplines. One is loving God. Second one, loving yourself. The third one, loving others. And the fourth one, loving this place. See, the first discipline Rick was talking about was loving God. He said, you got to slow down. I said, what do you mean? He said, you need to be on your knees and praying. I said, I pray all the time. I pray for all kinds of folks. He said, no, you got to listen. You got to meditate on the word and you got to shut your mind down to hear what he's saying. He said, Greg, you're moving so fast. When he's giving you instruction during the day, you got so much self-talk going on in your head, you can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So practice of loving God on a daily practice. It's not a Sunday practice. It's an everyday practice. One of my good friends, Drew Clancy, he, he, he had a book one time, so I think it was called The Five O'Clock Morning. And him and many of us have this discipline of five o'clock every morning and working on these four things. But why not, you know, God, he asks us to give us Give him 10%, and I, I truly believe it's our best 10%. And my best 10% is early in the morning. Yours might not be, but mine's early when I'm sharp and bright and when I can open my heart up to him and listen to what he has to say. 
And it's amazing on the days where I open the word and read word and meditate on the word and days that I actually pray 20 minutes and truly meditate in silencing prayer to him, the difference in that day, how I can actually hear him throughout the day. It opens my, it connects my soul to my spirit where I can actually, there's actually a connection. When I was a kid, I grew up at a camp called Kanakuk. It's a Christian athletic camp in Branson, Missouri. I went there many times. I, at the camp, they had this saying, the I am third life. And it's a failure, I think, even in the church today of the I am third life. And the I am third life is putting God first, putting others second, and yourself third. I don't believe it. I believe the Southwest Airlines way. I really do. I think you've got to put the oxygen mask on your face and you've got to be breathing some air so you can help other people. Because see, if you put other people before yourself, you're going to clonk out. And I, and I think it's, you know, not to be a male-female thing here, but I think this is actually harder for females. They have so much love for their kids and their family. It's harder for them to do it than guys. We're just a little bit more selfish by nature. But we have, to, we, we, have, we have to take care of ourselves. I'm a banker, so I sit in the chair all day long. I don't move around much, so I have to go get outside activity to take care of my health. It's got to be a daily thing. I have to expand my mind and grow it and develop it. Those have to be daily routines of my life. And those two, by the way, are really easy for me. I love, absolutely love time in prayer. I love reading the Bible. I love working out, eating right. I, I, mean, I, I like salad. That's weird, I know. But this third one, loving others, see, I'm driven. I'm, I mean, I like to succeed. And, and man, loving others is hard. And I can be so focused. And, and so working on my emotional intelligence, you mean other people have feelings? I mean, it's where I struggle. But I'm telling you, if we don't learn how to love others, because back to Frankie. See, Frankie did not ask her if she's okay Frankie's heart told her heart she was concerned about her. See, when you have EQ, it's not what you say, it's how you make people feel. If we don't work on the way we make people feel, these other two don't matter. There's all kinds of things we can do. One of the things that Jacob and I talk a lot about is journaling. So I, every morning I have this journal and I mess up all the time. I have the opportunity to mess up. I wonder what the speaker, of the, I wonder if the speaker of the House of Representatives journals. I wonder if she was like waking up this morning journaling like, I shouldn't have ripped up those papers. I don't know. <laughs> But I, I can tell you, 
Honestly, this morning, I was ripping up those papers far because I'm thinking, how many times have I sat around and acted like a big baby and a brat and acted just like her? I was reflecting her on myself going, man, I, I can't do that anymore, Greg. There's a lot of times I've stomped around and been a big baby. Thank goodness it wasn't on national television. I mean, the whole world got to see her do it. But I mean, but we've all done it. But if we don't work on loving others and work on our emotional equation and work on our emotional, how, how we treat other people and have a heart of loving others, that's what's that's going to happen because she was more important than the country last night. That's all it was. There was, there was fear, not love in our heart. And the fourth one is one of my favorites is love in this place. There's something about being in nature that you connect to God. You can't be out in the trees. You can't be out on the water. You can't be out walking your dog and seeing this unbelievable place we get to live without connecting to God. I think sometimes as Christians, we're so focused on the one in three, we don't give enough of loving ourselves and loving this place. Nothing beautiful in the end comes without a measure of some pain, some frustration some suffering. My mom's here and our family was going through a hard time when I was 12 or 13 years old and she was telling me, she said, now Greg, she said, these tough times will make you tough. Like, I don't want to be tough. (laughs) I'm done with the hard times in my life. Yeah, 12, yeah. But through real life and real times do we really create the learning from the suffering so we can be a blessing. See, I had my own life. I had my own suffering. I, I messed up tremendously. I thought, there's no way God can use me. We're sitting there a minute ago. They were singing promise that point beyond my failure. Promise that points beyond my failure. And sometimes those failures look like that. Sometimes they're just just pure out sin, falling short of the glory. You start telling yourself, you don't hear the grace message, but God can use all of us. Is there a picture? No? There's not a picture. There's a picture on my deck. (laughs) The picture was actually of Jacob and Hannah 
Mirai. And we all went through that tragedy, blessing together. One of the most impactful messages I've ever heard was Jacob telling the story of the healing of his son. Of Jacob going into that room, putting his hand on his son's head, on his knee, and praying over his son. The, and the message was cool, okay? I mean, healing a child is good, good stuff. That the message that's beyond the message was for 20 years, Jacob Sheriff was ready for that moment in time. I asked myself, if that would have happened to my son, would I have been listening to the doctors or would I have been listening to Jesus? Would I be listening to the Holy Spirit? Would I be listening to God? Would I have had my faith in God or would I have had my faith in the doctors? In his 20 years, and there's a lot of people that I'm around that have great discipline and great habits. I don't know anyone that has as good of habits than Jacob Sheriff. And because of those habits, sanctifying himself to the Holy Spirit and connecting himself to the Holy Spirit through his soul, his body, his, his mind, his heart, he walked in there in confidence. And we have a true healing. So if we want to be a church of influence, we have to have discipline and habits. If we want to touch the world, we have to have these habits that grow us inside of us to make our light shine. Let me just pray over us and just take a minute. Just silent prayer to yourself about what the Holy Spirit was telling you tonight. What are your gifts? What are your passions? What are the needs of this world in your community? And how can I grow and develop in Christ so my light shines brighter, brighter, and brighter every day? Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be part of such an incredible, incredible church that matures us in Christ. Thank you for the teaching. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for allowing us to be a bright star, to be a bright light in our communities, to use our gifts, our talents, what you had given us to create a community, an impact through love with every person we come in contact with. 
things we ask in your name. Amen.